What's up, guys? Ryan Horn here, and welcome to the Extraordinary Man Podcast. This is the one and only podcast specifically designed to help married businessmen create more profit and purpose in their business without sacrificing their family, health, or marriage in the process. Each week, I interview some of the world's most extraordinary men, including seven- and eight-figure entrepreneurs, elite athletes, best-selling authors, and world-class speakers. Today, I'm going to be interviewing James Malinchek. James is recognized as one of the most requested in-demand business and motivational keynote speakers and marketing consultants in the world. He was featured on the hit ABC TV show, Secret Millionaire, and was twice named National College Speaker of the Year. James has delivered over 3,000 plus presentations for corporations, associations, business groups, colleges, universities, and youth organizations worldwide. James can speak for your groups ranging from 20 to 30,000 plus. Giving back is a big part of James' life, and he has raised over $1 million for various charities and organizations and has donated thousands of dollars of his own money to help others. As a speaker, marketing coach, and consultant, James is the behind the scenes go to marketing advisor for many top speakers, authors, thought leaders, business professionals celebrities, sports coaches, athletes, and entrepreneurs, and is recognized as the world's number one big money speaker, trainer, and coach. James, welcome to the Extraordinary Man podcast. How are you doing today? I'm great, Ryan. Thanks for having me, buddy. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Well, it's a pleasure to have you on. And you know, before we jump in and get started, I just want to take a minute to honor you because over the past year or two, you've really had a big impact on my life personally. And I've learned so much from you about you know, from speaking to book publishing and just business and marketing in general. And you genuinely, after having met you a couple of times and gotten to hang out with you, are just a great guy and you over deliver and go above and beyond consistently. So for that, I just want to say thank you. Wow, man. Thanks. That's really nice. And you must've got the $20 I sent you in the mail to say all that cool stuff. (laughs) (laughs) I did. Thank you for that. You're welcome. (laughs) No, I really appreciate it. But I would love to get started by talking a little bit about your backstory. Could you tell our listeners a little bit about where you came from and how you got started in all this? I was born in a van down by the river. Isn't that what every professional speaker says? <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I actually grew up in a very tiny steel mill town outside of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, uh, about five or 6,000 people. Uh, we didn't have much growing up. Dad was a railroad conductor working in the mill. Mom was a lunch mother serving lunches to us kids at school. And so um, it wasn't like we came from financial means or anything like that. Just a good old hardworking family. And uh, long story short, I accepted a basketball scholarship to the University of Cincinnati out of high school, went there to play basketball. And then my coach got relieved of his duties. That's a real nice way of saying he got fired. (laughs) And so I transferred and went and played out in Hawaii and literally in an exhibition game, I uh, hurt my knee at tore my ACL and my meniscus. So I was done and not even able to play one game. So then I moved to Los Angeles after graduation, started my career as a stockbroker, financial advisor, if you will, and went on to win uh, most outstanding performance twice and number one in new account openings twice for our, our firm, a pretty large firm. And uh, ended up leaving there with my partner and starting our own little independent firm and handled the investments of pro athletes and entertainers and celebrities in Hollywood. And then I um, got a phone call one time and because I, I, I did some sales training for uh, our company, meaning just telling brokers how I built my business so fast. And I got a phone call when I finished that. And it was a guy and he said, hey, my son was just in your sales training. He really liked what you taught him you know, about the financial services world. And he said, I should have you come and speak to my, um, my group, my sales reps. 
And I said, oh, I don't, I don't speak. I just was doing that for my company. They asked me to tell them how I built my business. And he's like, yeah, come on. We want you to come and talk to our sales reps and we'll pay you. Uh, I'm sorry, we, we need you for 40 minutes and I'll pay you 5,000 bucks. And I said, I speak, I speak. And that was how I got into speaking. Somebody wanted to pay me a check, come and talk. And I was like, what? Like, are you crazy? Like, all right, cool. And so one led to two, two led to three. And I really started to dive in and learn about this uh, thing they call the speaking business. And now I've gone on to do 3,000 some talks, then 2,000 one-on-one private personal consulting sessions with folks and written a whole bunch of books, about 25 of them. And then was blessed to be on a TV show called Secret Millionaire on ABC. So there you go. That's from kind of A to Z, the whole backstory. That's awesome. I love it. Could you share maybe a little bit about some of the struggles? Because I know it wasn't as quick and easy as as you just said from, you know, I got the first call and then suddenly, you know, I was on ABC, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, uh, well, let's go back to when I left the uh, broker's industry. Remember, I got that check for five grand for one talk and I thought, oh my gosh, this is unbelievable. $5,000 for a 45 minute talk. I'm going to quit my job. <laughs> And uh, I, I did. I, I don't believe that line, uh, but I didn't know it back then. But I don't believe the line jump and the net will appear. I think that's a load of BS um, because I jumped and I completely went broke, blew through my life savings, was forced to work in a video store in Southern California, making $7 an hour and probably eating more top ramen noodles, Ryan, than you or Brittany could ever even come close to eating. And so uh, I always joke, I'm, I'm joking now, but I was serious back then. My favorite thing was my Costco card that mom and dad bought me because I couldn't afford like the membership fee because I would go to Costco and I'd stock up on big bags of pasta, big jars of spaghetti sauce, and I'd pour water in it and dilute it because that would make it last longer. And so I lived on pasta with diluted spaghetti sauce and top ramen noodles for three over three years. I'd ate it breakfast, lunch, and dinner because that was like the cheapest stuff I could eat, uh, but still give me like carbohydrates for energy. And so I ate so much pasta. And uh, uh, I lived in a $400 a month apartment in Los Angeles. So anybody listening, take a stab at how jacked up that place was, 400 bucks in Los Angeles. Uh, It included all my utilities in the $400. And somebody asked me one time, did you have a... uh, a security system. I said, yeah, I used to sleep with an Easton softball bat with sneakers on in case somebody broke in, I could stand up, swing and hit them. I said, that was my security system. And I wouldn't walk around on the floor without my shoes on because it was so jacked up and bad. Now I tell that story, not because of woe is me and I want anybody to feel sorry for me, but you got to go through the struggle to get to the success. There is no success without the struggle, you know? And so I didn't know it back then, You know, but looking back, you know, almost everything I've probably learned about success or being extraordinary has come from failing and has come from the struggle and wanting to quit and give in. The difference is I didn't quit. You know, a lot of people quit and I don't and why? I don't know. I had every reason to, you know, making no money, you know, eating top ramen noodles and pasta, you know, sleeping with a bat. Uh, every reason to just like say, you know, man, life's kicking me in the head. I ought to just throw in the towel. And so why didn't I? I don't know, honestly. But looking back, you know, what I wish I knew then, honor the struggle, be excited about the struggle. 
you know, you can always say you can't have a breakthrough until you have a breakdown, you know? So yeah, the, the struggle is such an important part of anybody's journey and more importantly, the, the springboard to success. Absolutely. I could not agree more. I mean, every successful entrepreneur I bring on here, that's why I love highlighting their backstory because it's easy to look at someone like you and be like, oh man, James, he got offered this check uh, for five grand to go speak. And then next thing you know, he's on you know ABC, Secret Millionaire and doing all this stuff, but that's definitely not the way it went down. So I appreciate you sharing that. And uh, I'm curious, do you still eat pasta? I do actually, <laughs> I do. And what's crazy is I actually love it. You know, so I'm shocked because you think after eating so much of it, you'd be sick and tired of it. But yeah, I, uh, I don't know. I, uh, I, you know what I do? I will tell you this, like every now and then when I'm having pasta, like if I'm out with some friends or something, I always think back, I always think back to when I had to eat it. And I'm grateful that I think back that I have that anchor in my mind because it makes me get up in the morning, roll up the sleeves and go get at it, whatever it is, you know, cause I don't ever want to go back to that. Yep, it's a good absolutely. reminder. <laughs> That's a great reminder. Yeah. I love that. So could you tell us just a little bit about your business? Like what exactly do you do and how do you help people? Yeah. So, um, well, so I started as this financial consultant, which was what was crazy is I was pretty darn successful at it, won awards and everything. But, you know, when I jumped into being a speaker, I never knew that it was a business. I thought somebody, hey, handed me a check to talk for 45 minutes. Oh, my gosh, people are just going to hand me checks everywhere. <laughs> and I think that's the way most people in most businesses are, right? You take a flower store owner. They open up a, a shop and they do a build out and they order freezers and refrigerators. They order inventory and you know hire staff and get in all this debt. And then what do they do? They put an open sign. They unlock the door and put an open sign and say open for business. And then they're like, huh, what's going on? Nobody's coming in. And they don't understand that the real business is actually getting and keeping customers. I didn't know that when I transitioned into speaking. I just thought the business was everybody hands me a check. (laughs) And I talk. I didn't realize I actually had to go get business. So after the top ramen noodle and spaghetti few years, um, I then figured out, okay, wait a minute. There's two sides to the coin of speaking, and I'm getting to your answer. I'm just sort of taking the the longer route. Um, Two sides to speaking. On the one side, we have our message, our story, our information, our impact we want to give people, right, and change the world. And that's where most people stop, and that's where most people uh, don't ever make it, or they fail out of the industry or the business. Because, and, and, And ironically, that's why my logo for my company, Big Money Speaker, is a coin, Because I always say there's two sides of a coin. On the flip side of the coin, we got this thing called the business. Things like prospecting, qualifying, presenting, closing, upsell, downsell, cross-sell. All the business stuff that isn't as fun or sexy on the front end, if you will, because that actually requires work and effort. It's a lot more fun to just think people hand us checks and we just talk. (laughs) You know. So um, to answer your question, I became pretty successful at that. The second side of the coin. I always said, uh, I'm not the best speaker in the world, but I'll blow anybody out of the water in marketing. And that doesn't mean I'm great as a, a speaker or better than anybody. It just means I'm just getting to the customers faster than anybody else. That's it. I agree 100%. That's when I first got in business as well. You know, I wish it worked that way that you just open up the business and people come and give you money. <laughs> uh, but being great at what you do is 
you know, it's good. You should be great at what you do, but that is not going to pay the bills, right? You got to learn and and the sales side and and all of that. But I'm curious, you know, you say this all the time. I've heard this many times. You know, why do you say that speaking is considered the highest paid skill in the world? Well, because think about this. Tell me another business, another career, any entrepreneur, think of any business, any entrepreneur business you can start by franchise, you can do anything you want. Tell me another business where it doesn't matter if you have a master's degree. It, it doesn't matter if you have a PhD. You don't need a PhD. You don't need a master's. You don't even need to have gone to college. You don't need to need to have even graduated from high school. And as a matter of fact, the more jacked up you've been in your past, the more you're actually kind of probably going to get paid. <laughs> right? Tell me another business where you can have literally no credentials no experience whatsoever, but you got a good story of how you didn't quit and you overcame some. And tell me another business you can start with zero money out of your pocket, no inventory, nothing, and go out and get a check handed to you for $5,000 for 45 minutes like I did. I don't know one. Yeah. Like literally. (laughs) So that's why I say it's the world's highest paid skill. Now the word skill, that means it's learnable. Because somebody could say, well, what do you mean? Like, I, don't, I wouldn't even know how to book a talk. Well, it's a learnable skill. Same way driving a car is a learnable skill. We all had to learn how to do it. Same way we had to learn how to ride a bike. It's a skill. Same way you learn how to bake a cake. It's a skill, meaning it's teachable. It's learnable, right? And so that's why I say it's the world's highest paid skill. And you know that old line, everybody wanted to be a rock star. Remember, everyone wants to be a rock star. Uh-uh. Today, everybody wants to be a speaker. Well, think about it. You can have impact. You can change people's lives, right? Like your story, your message, your words can help people and change their path in life, change their spirit, inspire them, motivate them. And then you can also get paid to do that. I remember first time I heard that, I was like, what? Like, I don't know what, I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm going to figure this out. You know, and, and that's why I say it's the world's highest paid skill for all those reasons combined. You can't find any, and you don't have to have a large capital investment. Like, you know, go buy a franchise, paying hundreds of thousands, even millions of dollars to get a franchise fee, right? Plus percentage back to the company on all prop. There's nothing like that with speaking, you know? So that's why I say it's literally the world's highest paid skill. Great answer. And you mentioned a few of these already, but yeah, there's a lot of people, like you said, everybody wants to be a speaker, but they're scared of speaking or they don't know what to do, or they think they don't have credentials, whatever. What are some of the other biggest myths that you hear all the time about speaking? Yeah. Well, the, the very biggest one is I'm, I'm scared to talk. And I said, well, you're talking to me right now. You're not scared to talk. Psychologists have proven this. You and I, human beings, Ryan, we're born with two fears and two fears only. The fear of falling and the fear of boom, loud noises. We were not born with the fear of speaking in front of a group or in, on people, uh, in front of people on Zoom. That is something that you as a human being created in your mind and manifest. And you know this, that anything you focus on expands, good or bad, right? So if you choose to focus on, oh, I'm nervous, I'm scared, then that's what's going to happen for you. So what I always tell folks is don't ever focus, ever on how you feel. I'm scared. I'm nervous. I can't remember. Because then that makes it all about you. And what we're supposed to do is serve and impact people. And so when you think about, oh, I have to talk to these folks so I can share some info to make them better. Same way like this. If you sat down on a couch with your niece, 
nephew, son, daughter, grandson, granddaughter. It's not, you don't ever like walk with them to the couch going, I hope I'm going to remember everything I'm supposed to say to her. I hope I look good. I hope I don't fall off the couch. I, I'm, I hope I don't get nervous and get sweaty palm. But I'll say that when we sit down and talk to our niece or nephew, right? But yet now we got to talk to five people or 20 people and we start freaking out. Why? Because you're thinking about yourself. When you're walking to that couch with your niece or nephew, you're thinking about them. And I need to say something that's going to help her help him. And that's what I tell folks. That's the biggest challenge with speaking that I hear. People get all freaked out with speaking. And I'm like, well, you're talking right now. And when you get freaked out, that's because you look, you're worrying about yourself instead of worrying about the other person the same way you would worry like about your niece or your nephew. And the third thing I'll say is this, just talk about stuff you already know. Just share your stuff, share your story. Same thing you talk to people over coffee about, same thing you talk to your niece on a couch with, say, say the same stuff to a group of, doesn't matter if it's five or 50,000, it's still the same info. Yeah, that's really great advice. And I, I can attest to exactly what you're saying because I didn't want to be a speaker for a long time. I was I was the person that was scared to speak. And it is, you're thinking about yourself and not the people you can impact and how you can change their lives. So I love that. Great answer. So what is a, a roadmap that you would give to someone that's just starting out and speaking? They want to break into it. What are some practical first steps for them? Well, the very first thing is you, all, you never start with yourself and your message. And that's what most people think. Like, what am I going to say? say to these folks. No, you first start off if you want to do this as a business and a career and get paid for it, you start off with who do I want to speak for? Do I want to speak to teenagers? Because your message will be different to teenagers than it will be I want to speak for salespeople or I want to speak for all women's groups or all men's groups. That message and your story that you choose from your past or your current life is going to be different based on who you're speaking. And so you always start with who do I want to speak for? first, not like, what will I say to these folks? The second thing you think about is, okay, what what do these folks need to hear that's going to help them? Again, the second thing is not my message. See, that third piece of the triangle then becomes, okay, based on what I think they need to hear that will make them better, what can I share with them that I know or from my past or which stories can I share that will allow them to have that thing that will make them better? See how that's completely coming from their point of view versus what am I going to talk about? What should I share? Or I'm going to share this because this will make me look cool, right? See, that's all about me, 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 okay? And so I use this analogy. This is a piece of paper. Let's pretend it was a napkin. When we come into this world, we get a bib placed under our chin, and this is a napkin. And we go through life getting programmed and believing that, that we should be running around like this, meaning people should be giving to us, meaning we're takers. And what I always say is the way we, we really get ahead in life and really have the biggest impact and get in with folks as well, if that, that is something someone wants to do, is you must take that bib metaphorically off from around your chin and you drape it over your forearm like you are a server in the finest dining establishment on the planet and you approach folks with what can I do for them? How can I help them? So when you're thinking about speaking, what does this audience need to hear? What could I share that will impact their life with stuff that I maybe have experience or knowledge in or stories in? See, so you always start with serving the audience. What can I do for them? Not what should I talk about? Not what story do I tell that makes everybody clap and go, oh my gosh, He's so awesome. 
See, that's all about us. So that's what I would say. We're the very first thing is start there. Always who, who do you want to speak for? And then based on who you, uh, by the way, let me just say this. The right answer to who is not everyone. Because a lot of times I'll say everyone. It's like I'll ask business owners, like, who's your customer? Everybody. No, you're quickly going to be out of business if you think that way. Jack of all trade, master of none. You can't be like the best for everybody. Even if you have a sandwich shop, who's your best customer? Who's your, who's your, everybody. No, no, you got to define who the best customer is. So that's why you start with who, and then what is it that they need that will help them? And then how do I go into my background, my message, my words of wisdom and give them something that they need that will help them? Yeah. Love that analogy about the waiter and great practical advice there too, because it's, I, I know again, for myself, I wanted to focus on, well, what message, what am I going to talk about? How am I going to deliver it? But also, I mean, if you have nowhere to speak, then you're just going to be <laughs> delivering the message to yourself. Yeah. Be walking like I was in the beginning, walking around my apartment talking. <laughs> Absolutely. So great stuff. Love it. Let's zoom out just a little bit. I'd love to know, what would you say are some of the biggest lessons you've learned just about business in general? Oh yeah. One of the biggest lies perpetuated in all business. And, you know, and I love Kevin Costner. I even actually got to meet him one time years ago. Really sweet, nice guy. But man, did he jack people up with that, that movie, Filled the Dreams, right? Great movie, but he just, they just jacked everybody up. There's one line in there that messed everybody up, every entrepreneur in the world. If you build it, they will come. No, if you build it, you'll go broke if you don't have a marketing plan, <laughs> right? So, um, people think this, you know, the, the flower shop example, right? Open the flower shop, do a build out, invest hundred thousand dollars in the lease with the build out and the inventory of flowers and staff, and then flip the light switch on that says open, you know, the neon sign, boom, boom, boom. No. So here, I'll tell you a story. So years ago, I get called to go do a consulting for an attorney in Las Vegas, where I happen to live. And, um, the, uh, I, so I walk in. To this guy, and I never, like, literally ever would go out and do stuff like this. But I was, I was, I had a client in Las Vegas, and he begged me to go see his buddy. Now, usually they come to me, they got to like have a, a, a hefty fee, they got to jump through hoops to get to me because I, I just don't want to waste my time on stuff. But because he was a referral, I went to see this guy with no contract, no money paid, anything as a friend's uh, favor. I went, so I walk in, and this guy, um, Real hot shot dude, right? Young, younger guy, like late 20s, maybe early 30s, you know, hot shot, worked for the big firm, went out on his own because he said he can do it better kind of thing. And so he walks me around, shows me like the, the 10 different uh, associate lawyer offices, no lawyers in there yet because this guy just opened it up, but has 10 offices in there. They're all decked out with all the law books, the mahogany wood, two-tiered building, you know, all that kind of stuff. So after he walks me around and brags about, you know, Lexus Nexus computer programs in every office, I mean, the whole nine years. So we go in his office and we sit down and he says, so what do you think? And I said, look, but I'm going to ask you one question and how you answer. I'll tell you whether you're going to be out of business or not in 12 to 18 months. He said, what? I said, you heard me. Usually when people say what, they heard you. They just didn't want to hear you. So he said, what? I said, look, but I'm going to ask you one question. And I'll tell you based on how you answer whether you will be out of business in 12 to 18 months. Because statistically from the Small Business Association, that's when most businesses are out of business. I said, here's the question. So before the question, 
I mean, you really decked this out, man. I mean, two-tiered building right here off the freeway. You're probably in this building. It's probably 20,000 bucks a month for all this. Receptionists out there, probably 30 grand in a year, 35 grand in a year. Hey, by the way, parking spot out front with the white paint with your name. I can see your name. You used really good paint because I can see your name really clearly. So good job on that one. Uh, the gold-plated business card thingies out front. The 10 offices with the books and the Lexus Nexus. I, I said, I'm thinking 35000 a month out of your pocket every month. So here's my question. And I pointed at the door. I said, how are you going to get people to walk in that door and hand you money? He said, well, I'm, I'm going to run ads and all that. I said, oh, so I got it. So I took his business card off his desk. I said, you're going to take this business card and you're going to basically repeat the same stuff on a radio spot or on some Facebook ads or whatever. It's going to be name, business, how long you've been in business, et cetera, which is not really an ad. So again, let me ask you the question. How are you going to get people to walk in the door and hand you money? Dead silence, Ryan. Dead silence. I said, seems to me. I would have figured that out first before I got all this crap. And that's the number one problem. Nobody puts a plan together on how they're going to get and keep customers and clients. I would do that first before I did anything else in any business. I mean, if I were starting a, uh, look, if I was starting a dry cleaner store, okay, just as a basic example. So where I live in Las Vegas, you're going to, you're going to be coming you and Brittany to the house at some point, you'll see the area. If I was starting a dry cleaning, what would most people do? They would go down, rent out the space, same as the flower shop example, rent out the space, get all this you know, trucks and cleaning supplies, go into debt, hundreds of thousands of dollars. Not me. You know what I would do? I, I'd go to Staples and get a clipboard and an ink pen and paper. And I would walk around my community. There's probably several hundred homes inside my, or my, my area. And I'd go door to door, knocking on the door. Say, hey, we are starting a new dry cleaning store or new dry cleaning location, and we're going to make this the finest dry cleaning store that you could ever go to. You are a busy person, so we're going to have pick up and drop off dry cleaning for you. You will never have to drive to a dry cleaning store again. We're going to come right to your house. We're going to pick your stuff up. We're going to have a set date, whether you say every Tuesday or every Wednesday or every Thursday, whatever that is, and we're going to come and we're going to take care of you. And for that, you're going to just pay a simple little membership fee of $20 a month or $30 a month plus than whatever your dry cleaning is. Then I go to the next one and I'd sign up a thousand homes, a thousand homes. That's $2,000, whether we do dry cleaning or not. And then I would just simply hire some drivers for minimum wage and I would outsource all the dry cleaning. I would have no space, no build out, no machines, nothing. And so all that becomes pure profit. That's how I would do it. I would go get a thousand customers first before I ever started doing like all the inventory and stuff. But that's not how most people think. But that's the number one mistake that I see most people in any business. I don't care what the industry is, what the field is. They go out and they do all the stuff rather than the most important thing. How am I going to get and keep clients and customers? I love that story. That is such a great example. And you're 100% right. That's how the majority of people do it. They go, you know, if it's a physical location, they rent out the building and this and that, but they don't ask themselves, how am I going to get people here? How are they going to pay me money? Most important questions, right? Um, yeah. How, but- how are we going to get people to walk in and be our customer? Sandwich shop, restaurant does the same thing. They build up the whole restaurant. They hire folks and all this. And 
first thing I would do is figure out how I'm going to get people to come in the restaurant, or am I going to start a catering business or, you know, like, so that, but you just got to think first and foremost, how will you get business? Absolutely. Love it. So we're going to switch gears a little bit. I'd love to know, what would you say are a few of your best habits or best practices? Oh, that's a great one. That is a great one. Um, what I would say probably one of them is once I put my mind to something, I don't care how crazy it may sound. I don't care how big the mountain might be. I'll figure out how to make it work. So I have a couple of little lines I use. Take the tea out of can. It's not that you can't do something. You can do anything you want in life. Human beings can do anything we want in life. But you got to take the tea out of can and you got to ask yourself a simple question. This is the question I ask myself all the time. What do I have to do to make it happen? Or what do we have to do to make it happen? Will it be difficult? Will it be hard? Will people laugh at you, put you down, discourage you? Probably, because that's the way life is. Life's not fair. Life's not unfair. Life is life. And the only thing we can do every day when we're blessed to flip open our eyelids in the morning is do the best we can with what we've got and play the hand we're dealt. And so I literally, I I decide I want to do something. And the first thing that most people do, and I was victim of this years ago until I learned this, how to overcome it. First thing people do is talk themselves out of it. I was on on a podcast uh, earlier uh, and somebody said, what's one of your big goals for the future? I said, well, I'm going to give away $10 million. Like, wow, really? I said, yeah, we can help a lot of people. We can build water wells. We can feed people, all that. And I said, in order to do that, I've got to go make another $10 million. Uh, well, they're like, how are you going to do that? I'm like, I don't know. I hadn't set my plan out and thought about it yet, but I'm going to do it. And now all I have to do is sit down and say, okay, what do I have to do to make it happen? And it's a funny how when you ask that question, people start walking into your life. Things start appearing on paper like, oh, if I did this, if I did that, right? So that's my, I'd say one of my really good qualities or habits is I don't want to hear like, uh, the the whining, the moaning, and complaining, and all the reasons why we can't do it. Because if you focus all on all the reasons why you can't, you'll never find the solutions for how you can. And so I always want to know, well, what do we have to do to make it happen? Like somebody will like when I'm consulting with somebody, they'll I'll, I'll give them an idea and go, oh man, I can't do that. And I'll say, look, I know Ryan that you can't do that. I completely understand. But let's just pretend for a second that if you could, how would you do it? And you know what's crazy? You come up with all kind of ideas. And I'm like, great, that's what we're going to do. You just proved to me you can do it. But when I asked you, how would you do it? Oh, I don't know. I can't do that. But I know. But if you could, let's just pretend for a second. If you could, what would you do? Or if you were telling me how to do it, what would you tell me how to do? And you'll tell me like, like boom, 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 three ideas. Great. We got our plan. Let's go do this. So that's my whole thing. What do I have to do to make it happen? I love it. I think you're right. A lot of people get overwhelmed with the how. They're like $10 million. I don't know how I would do it. But also, I think starting with why and having a strong reason why is really absolutely. Absolutely. So I know for you, James, we talked about your story a little bit earlier. You know, you didn't just rise to the top like that, right? So, how important has investing yourself been to your success? Oh, I I can't imagine, honestly, Ryan, the, the, the older I am, the more I'm in self-improvement. I I can't imagine anybody thinking they're going to be successful in anything without investing in themselves. I mean, a marriage, a spirituality, um, business, finances, getting out of debt, struggles, whatever, goal setting. Now, I'm not saying like you got to invest a lot of money or anything. Um, Listening to your podcast, this right here, listening to this is an investment, right? Making a habit, consistent habit. Of listening to this, you know, you're not charging extraordinary amounts of money for this, but that's investing in yourself. Uh, getting a book on Amazon, ten dollars. It, it, it blows my mind how people complain, moan, and I, I truly believe this. Ryan, follow me on this. Go like this. Go like this. 
Yeah, all the information's out there for anything we want to do. We just got to go grab it. It's got to go grab it. It's out there. It is out there. Give me a, a story. So I bought this, uh, I bought like 16 acres of commercial dirt in Las Vegas area slash Arizona a few years ago. Why? Because I, I read something where Donald Trump makes most of his money as a real estate person by earning the owning the dirt. Okay. By the way, you know how McDonald's makes most of their money? They they own the dirt. They're a real estate company. Yep, it's not selling Happy Meals. It's not even franchising. It's all the real estate they own. Okay. And you know the largest real estate holder in the world? Catholic Church. So I uh, learned about dirt and I got this idea, well, I, I should buy some dirt. If you got the dirt, you don't have to build anything. They lease the dirt from you and you don't have to worry about tenants or any of that. Now, I didn't know anything about dirt, right? So uh call my accountant up and ask him, hey, uh, I'd like to buy some dirt. I actually did start buying some acres. And uh, I don't know anything about it, but who, who's like one of the best real estate people in this area? And he said, oh, it's this person. So I called the person up, said, hey, I was referred to you by so-and-so. And, and uh, you know, the guy was out like on the job. He's like a big real realtor developer, real estate developer. So he's like out there, you hear trucks moving all that. And I said, hey, I just bought this dirt. I don't know anything about dirt. I would like to hire you to coach me. And he goes, What? You know, he's, he's like, real stuff. I don't, what are you talking about coach people? I, I develop plazas and, you know, buildings and all this. I don't coach people. I said, I know that you don't. I completely understand. But let's pretend for a moment that if you did coach somebody, what would you charge somebody? So oh, it'd be pretty dang expensive. I said, I know. Well, just hypothetically, what would that be if you did? And he, he threw out a number. I said, done. I'm in. Do you want me to drive you over a check or should I FedEx it? Yeah. Well, what? I said, I'm in. I'll take your price. Uh, okay. I said, where are you? I'll drive it over. I drove him over a check. He was out on some job. As you notice, I used the question again. I know you don't, but let's pretend for a second. But if you did, what kind of price would you charge? What kind of fee? So I took him over a check. And I said, look, all I want to do is like meet with you like every you know, couple of weeks over coffee and just pick your brain for an hour or so. That's what the check's for. He's like, that's it? It's like, that's crazy you're paying this. I said, I, no, it's not. Where, where am I going to go to school to learn this? And you're the most successful developer around here. Okay, so long story short, that's where I learned about mineral rights. I said, look, if you own dirt, if you own dirt, you put water wells on them and you own the mineral rights, you get paid for every time a gallon of water flows through if you own all the mineral rights. I don't know any of that stuff. So why would I not go out there and try to find that information? So I don't care what you're doing in life. Okay? And how would I ever figure that out? own the water rights, build wells, own the water rights, which is only like $25,000 an acre to put wells. So it wasn't like a lot of money compared to like you get paid every time someone flushes, right? Or <laughs> anytime somebody needs water. So my point is, it doesn't matter what it is. You have to invest in yourself because here's the key. It doesn't cut your learning curve in half. Remember that old line, it cuts your learning curve in half. No, it doesn't. It cuts it by like 95 to 99%. And was it worth that check to meet with that guy every, you know, every couple of weeks for six months? Because then I started putting water wells and developing it for mineral rights and all that. I would have never figured that out. So what you're doing is you're buying speed. Anytime you invest in yourself, you're buying speed. You can take the long way. Think about it as a train. You can take the long way to the destination by going up and around all the mountains. And it takes you two days to get there. Or you can jump on the speed train and it takes you four hours 
right? So that's what you're doing every time you invest in yourself. And so the last thing I'll say is this, don't go through life being a know-it-all, go through life being a learn-it-all. That is a, a great quote from a friend of mine, Kevin Eastman, who used to be an NBA basketball coach with uh, Doc Rivers, who used to coach the uh, uh, Celtics when they won the world championship. Don't go through life being a know-it-all, go through life being a learn-it-all. Love that quote. I love that story too. And what I love most about it is the questions you ask that guy. And I mean, you got to ask for what you want, right? Because he could have just said, oh, I don't coach. And then you're like, oh, well, I guess I can't get a coach, right? But yeah. Love well, it. Remember what I said earlier. You said, what's your, one of your best traits or habits? Like, I'm going to figure out a way to make it happen. So if he, I don't care if he said no 14 times, I'm going to figure out a way. I'll come back some way and make it work. So that's one of my, it ties back into my, one of my traits. Absolutely. I, I love it. I think that's a, definitely a key to being a successful entrepreneur. Uh, all right. Last question for you here. What is your definition of an extraordinary man? Oh, man. You hit me with a hard one here. I um, one. <laughs> that's a good question. I would say a couple things in no particular order. I would say um, doing what's right, doing the best you can. You don't have to be the best but you must do your best. You don't have to be the best man, but you, you got to do your best, right? Uh, you do what's right. Obviously, that's honesty and integrity. You treat others as you would like to be treated, right? Um, family first. Again, these are in no particular order. Family, God, service of others, setting a good example for your children if you have them, being a, an honorable and respectful husband to your wife. Um, and you know, the other thing too, I think is important is don't settle for less than you're capable of becoming. God didn't put you here to be mediocre. You already won. Every man, I don't care, like every man and woman, by the way, uh, I don't care how tough your situation is. I don't care like if how jacked up you think you are. You already won because you beat out millions of other sperm that didn't win <laughs> to get here. If you think about it, like, so you came into this life, this world already a winner, right? So what you do with it after you've come into this world is up to you. And you can choose to not be extraordinary as a man. And we're not talking like you got to go climb Mount Everest or something, mm -hmm. right? We're just talking about extraordinary man as a, as a person who follows those things I just laid out. And you can choose to be that person or you can choose to go be a dingbat. You know, the choice is yours, but you already won. Keep that winning alive by being an extraordinary man versus choosing to go be a dingbat. <laughs> Great answer. I'm born a winner. And uh, yeah, it's your choice, right? You can choose to be ordinary or choose to be extraordinary. Well, this has been awesome, James. Where can people go to find out more about you and connect with you? Oh, really cool. I got this new site coming. It's called www.freespeakerbook.com dot com freespeakerbook.com and i am uh gonna have my brand new book up there that i've been writing and i'm giving away for free awesome completely well, free I, that's awesome i will definitely be taking advantage of that and <laughs> i will make sure there are links down below in the show notes to that but james it's been an absolute pleasure thank you so much for taking the time to come on the show oh absolutely buddy anything for you appreciate it Guys, thanks so much for joining me on another episode of the Extraordinary Man Podcast. Here's the thing, you're never going to maximize your potential on your own. So I'm personally inviting you to come and join me in the private Extraordinary Man Facebook group so you can level up your business and your life. 
Just head over to Facebook and type Extraordinary Man into the search box and it will show up as the first result. Iron sharpens iron and this is the number one place for you to connect with me and other like-minded men who are on a mission to maximize their potential. My goal is to help you become the man God created you to be in all areas of your life. So come and join us in the Facebook group and upgrade your business and your life. I'll see you on the next episode.